Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. We are covering the Australian GP review. Let's go. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this review of this past weekend at the Australian GP. And first and foremost, it is so good for Formula One to be back in Australia. If you guys recall, of course, because of COVID and everything, uh, there has not been an Australian GP for two years, um, two years in the past. The first one they went to, um, they all the teams were actually there. And if you remember, they decided that they're not going to race. So that was a very eventful time right when COVID kind of kicked in and then last year the event was canceled so the entire city and Australia the country it's always it always gives a very well warm welcome to F1 so it was great to see F1 the down under and so as as always we've had an interesting weekend so let's get right into it uh, let's get right into the review so as I'm, uh, you know, as I'm going over the weekend for you guys through qualifying and racing, um, just on just on the note of the Australian GP and how hungry people are in Australia and just the the appetite of F1 globally, how that has increased over the last couple of years, just to kind of give you a little evidence of that. So Australia this past weekend over the four day weekend. They recorded, um, as far as the crowd, it was a record crowd of 419,114 people. So we're talking about almost 420,000 people attended over the four-day weekend. So major kudos to the organizers. And, you know, like I said, that's, that's amazing. And that says a lot about how people have been waiting for Formula One to come back to Australia. So I just wanted to point that out to you guys. It it had an amazing attendance. So we had qualifying happen on Saturday and you can you can see the trend going into Sunday's race that you you see Ferrari definitely still especially in the hands of Leclerc um, what type of car and advantage they have it seems like their car is basically suited for all circuits now Carlos Sainz on the other side of the garage he did not um, he did not have the weekend that he wanted and I'll get into further details of that but um, it was almost a tale of two opposites uh, you know opposites of the coin you see the kind of command Leclerc has You, you see that even in qualifying trim and in race trim, uh, just this season, Leclerc has been has been on a different level. It's almost like he has upped up his game one more notch than last season. So, you know, coming to the race, like I said, uh, signs in the Ferrari when they were qualifying, he was unlucky. There was also timing because. This Albert Park, with all the changes that they made, they made changes in three parts of the track. And it's always been a fast track, but there are turns that the drivers definitely had a hard time adjusting to. So you saw 
an accident between Stroll and Latifi, the Williams and the Austin Martin. Um, this this happened on Saturday. It was a very unnecessary rookie mistake by Stroll. Um, if you look at the replays, not looking at his mirror and turning into, you know, turning his steering wheel to the right and then having a crash with Latifi. I mean, to say that the Austin Martin team had a miserable weekend, that would be an understatement. And again, that's something we'll cover a little bit down the line in this podcast. But it it was just it couldn't have been a more miserable weekend uh, with all the damages that they've had to the Austin Martin car. And it's also not performing well. So so that's just setting the table for you you know, to get into Sunday's race, basically to say, you know, you had that happening. Obviously, Latifi, this is not the first accident he's had this season. And with all the car repairs that teams have to do in the cost cap season, um, that is going to be painful for Williams. But Sainz had a bad race. And I, I mentioned the crashes because he did not set the time that he needed in that Ferrari and he qualified like almost ninth. So coming into Sunday, you know, here you have one Ferrari that's doing fantastic and the Red Bulls are right in the mix. And then you have Sainz who qualified all the way at the bottom. So it's really been a tale of two halves for the two teammates. So coming back to Sunday's race, uh, we have different action that goes on through the race. The race results was Leclerc um, basically has a dominating win for the most part. He had one spin, but he had a dominating win. He's really stamping his authority on this championship very early on. Sergio Perez for Red Bull is second and third, which was an unexpected third, I should say, but a great achievement to the team. Russell in the Mercedes, uh, this is his first time on a podium for Mercedes. He came in third to round up the top three for the Australian GP. So each and every one of those guys on the podium, um, you know, there's definitely an interesting, you know, kind of story behind each of their races. But when I'm mentioning Sergio Perez, in in your mind, you might have been like, well, you hold on, Max Verstappen, you know, qualified ahead of him. How come? We don't see Max Verstappen in, in uh, on the podium, and of course, the reason why is yet again, unfortunately, the Red Bull team suffered another mechanical failure. So that is two races now out of three where Red Bull have had a failure that has affected them, and so this has to be a really worrying issue for Red Bull because if you look at it just you know, in different aspects, like first off, look at the points that they've missed and that specifically Max Verstappen has missed so far. So Max Verstappen is now 46 points behind Leclerc, okay, in the Ferrari. So 46 points, we're talking about this is almost two full wins uh, Max Verstappen is behind. And again, it's early in the season, but you're talking about this is pretty pretty damaging as far as for you to be behind, um, you know, the number one guy in the championship for you to be behind that many points this early is definitely not good news. So Red Bull have really, you know, some major concerns, um, 
that they have to deal with. So when when uh, Max Verstappen, what he did was this was around lap 36. He set a fast time. And then after that, literally on the next lap, that's when he experienced the retirement. You saw the marshals. Uh, they had come up um, with the extinguishers and put it out. <clears throat> And so after the race, of course, everybody's curious because this is now another retirement for Red Bull. And what the Red Bull camp said, what Christian Horner said, was that the cause of this issue was an external fuel leak. That's how uh, they termed it. It wasn't, uh, they're not necessarily relating it to the powertrain and, and the engine. They're saying this is an external fuel leak that caused that. But if you guys remember, you know, from the first retirement that they had in Bahrain, although their Red Bull is saying it's two different issues, it's not the same issue, you know, with the fuel that caused this retirement. There's one common element It's still something regarding either the fuel cell or something around the fuel. So, like I said, this has to be kind of a really... Um, worrying trend for Red Bull and if they don't get on top of this issue um, you know they, they have a really fast car there's no doubt about that but having a fast car as Russell said after the race when he was talking to the media uh, this is Russell of uh, Mercedes having a fast car is one thing but if you cannot finish and collect points then you know that, that kind of defeats the purpose of having a fast car so that is kind of uh, a really worrying trend that Red Bull is having as I said they were lucky to collect points with Sergio Perez who's been who's been really solid for them this year and it looks like at least now I don't know if this is going to change when they develop the car more during mid-season and you know later races but right now Max is definitely not comfortable with the car he talked about it after qualifying he even talked about it after the race even before he had the retirement he hasn't been comfortable with the way the car handles <clears throat> it seems like Sergio Perez is much more happier this year with the Red Bull than Max Verstappen is another issue they had and they experienced this in qualifying as well and they noticed it was <clears throat> excuse me Red Bull as a team uh, they they seem to be the car seems to be punishing the the tires more so and they experienced a lot of graining actually max even complained about it on the radio he was complaining about graining on his tires and ironically the mercedes cars which you know they they don't have the speed now uh to compete against the red bull and the ferraris this season at least not this early on but you have to say in right in race trim the mercedes were actually doing really fine uh, they were better on their tire you know um if you looked at the races that lewis hamilton had and russell had they were the car was definitely racy so from reports that i read i think what mercedes have done especially in this stage early on the season where they're struggling with pace what they've emphasized is they've worked on optimizing the car for the race and you really saw like i said yes uh lewis hamilton had you know a, a battle with with perez and so did russell but at the end of the day of course 
you can tell there's there's still a pace difference. So you know the guys didn't push didn't push that much. In fact, at one point Russell was told uh, that you know it, it's better that he saved his tires. He really didn't need to go toe to toe with Perez. And uh, Russell came on the radio and said, "Well, that, that's not exactly the answer I was wanting to hear." But you know that's the competitive, fiery side of Russell. Uh, we see with the pit stops how he was able to have a very good race and he actually jumped Hamilton to come in third and Hamilton came in fourth. And you have to say under the current circumstance that Mercedes are going on, that they're going through, that's a fantastic you know, result. That's a really fantastic result for them to collect that many constructor points. Um, if you look at the standings, Interestingly enough, Russell's actually second in, in the driver standings. Mercedes is also second in the constructor battle. And the reason why is because of the retirement of Max Verstappen. And of course, specifically for this race, we also find out during the race, the signs, and I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, you know, signs started off with a poor grid position and then Going into turn nine, he wanted to make an overtake. He was actually impatient. And that overtake actually was disastrous for him because his car ended up in the gravel. So this capped a, a really difficult weekend for signs because, you know, now you have zero points. Your, your teammate is having a dominant win and he's now extending you know, his, his championship points, it looks like he's very comfortable. This is Leclerc in that car. So, you know, you're on the, you're in the garage right beside him and you have to look at it and say, signs is, is having a little bit of a difficult season to the, a, a little bit of a difficult start to the season. So Saturday he had issues with the car, uh, from, everything that we understand the steering wheel is not work was not working excuse me and they replaced the steering wheel that caused a problem because the new steering wheel apparently did not have the correct mapping data on it so um he did not signs was already down in the grid you know instead of being up with his teammate on you know he qualified now ninth excuse me so he had already a poor grid position and then he had a really bad getaway, which was the exact opposite of Hamilton, who had a lightning fast getaway. He had a fantastic start. So he was able to make up spots right from the beginning and, and move up to third. So again, it's been a tale of two halves in this race. You have to give a lot of credit to the Mercedes boys to, to have a car that is, you know, pace-wise, Although it's very reliable, the Mercedes is still pace-wise behind, you know, Ferrari and Red Bull, and yet they maximized with results to come in third and fourth. So it's unfortunate for Sainz. Like I said, the the Mercedes boys did fantastic. Uh, they're they're still collecting a lot of information and a lot of data, and you know, hopefully within. The next upcoming races, obviously, we don't know when they'll be able 
really to get a good handle of the balancing, uh, the bouncing issue that is, you know, kind of stopping that Mercedes car from, from them fully unlocking, you know, the, the pace that that car has. They haven't been able to do that yet. But the great thing is, <clears throat> in the meantime of their car not being maybe the best in the grid, at least they have the reliability and they have two fantastic drivers in Hamilton and Russell who are every weekend, they're maximizing the points and they're bringing the cars home. So that was the race, you know, at the top. So how did everybody else do as far as on the grid? So let's start off by mentioning McLaren who came right after the Mercedes. So the, the McLarens came in fifth and sixth with uh, Lando and then Ricardo in six in his hometown race. Um, you have to say this was a real successful race for McLaren, not because of just positioning, but if you looked at how miserable the previous race for them was, they, they didn't have any pace. Uh, Ricardo was still struggling. So it looks like you, we could actually see it in practice on one of the practice runs before qualifying. Uh, Lando Norris actually topped the timesheet, so you can see a definite uh, improvement that McLaren have brought from the last race to, to this race, and, you know, they only have a two-week period in between these races. That's what they had coming into Australia, so it's actually pretty impressive for the team <clears throat> uh, to make a step forward. It, it looks like, you know, even from what both drivers were saying, you know, after the race, it looks like the car has been definitely improved. It's also good to see Daniel Ricardo, who has struggled last year and who, you know, kind of struggled in the first two races we've had this year in his hometown race where he has a lot of fans, a lot of expectations. It looks like McLaren did a step, um, they did a step increase. So, that is going to be an interesting team to watch. Now, Lando Norris has told us, you know, uh, just very honestly that their car is still very track specific. So that means that, you know, there's certain tracks that they go to that the car is very unhappy with as far as slow corners and everything. The car seems to be better suited and, you know, set up to do much more better on the tracks that are free flowing and faster. Australia was an example. So the, you, you saw the results of that. The car was much more at ease on a track like that. So that was uh, McLaren's take. Like I said, they, they definitely showed improvement. Um, elsewhere, there was a, you know, kind of a mixed weekend for Alpine. And if you look at Alpine, they have looked surprisingly racy. In fact, in the hands of Alonso, if you looked at the timing sheets before there was an issue, um, he looked like, Alonso looked like he was about to set up a very, very competitive time. It wouldn't have been on pole, but it was competitive enough to target maybe positions from two to four. That That's how fast that Alpine was going. So, you know, they, they had a retirement issue again, but had they not done that, the, the Alpines are definitely looking strong. So it looks like they've possibly take, I mean, again, it's early days and, you know, with these races, we're only in race three, 
which is part of the longest season F1 is going to have. But at least until this point, uh, before, you know, we see kind of major upgrades coming from, you know, teams like Mercedes, teams like Red Bull and Ferrari, Alpine so far looks like they've made a positive step forward with their engine. It doesn't seem to be lacking the power that it did in the last couple of years. Um, it looks like, you know, as far as stability and ride, you know, the, the, the only, um, I'm not going to say the only, but the, the, the weakness so far in their package is reliability, especially on the engine side has been very dodgy. Uh, you know, keep in mind now, Alonzo this early in the season is already on engine number three. So he is definitely looking likely to be getting a penalty very soon. I mean, for an engine change down the line, we don't know when obviously that's going to be, but that's going to be coming down the pipeline. So they have a strong package. They really, really do. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of evolution they're going to do with their car. But so far, it seems like they're doing good with the exception of the reliability of the car. Okay. And speaking of reliability and, and pushing the envelope, we had a really strong race from Albon in the Williams car because, you know, Williams, the pace has not, you know, has not really been there for them. It's been a difficult start to the season. It has definitely not helped because Latifi in that car, boy, he is, you know, just for different circumstances, he is really uh, struggling right now with these new cars. He's had uh, an accident, you know, in, in non-races. Obviously, you know, the case that was on Saturday was not his error, but at the same time, you know, they've had now at least two different crashes on their cars so you know there's going to be a cost to that but so what they did with Albon is the team strategy wise took a very bold um they did a very bold choice of strategy what they did was they had the hard tires on and he literally Albon drove almost I mean I should say almost but close to the end of the race and all he did was at the last lap he went ahead and pitted and changed his tires because that is per the regulations and he ended up coming in in 10th and collecting a point and you know just to hear a point you know may not seem like a big deal but when you're battling the midfield this season the midfield is very competitive it is very packed you know that the midfield uh, cars like the Haas vehicle which was you know dead last for the last two years They've made improvements, even though they had a weak race this uh, past weekend. They've made improvements. They have a competitive car. So, you know, Williams is going against all those teams from the Haas to, you know, the Alpines, which are really fast uh, to the other teams on the grid. So, you know, they made a very bold strategy work and they, they took advantage, obviously, of some of the retirements that happened. But that was definitely, you know, uh, an encouraging point for them. And it, that was a really good drive from Albon. So you got to give them credit where credit is due. So when you look at the points tally, so I would say the main pointers that I took out of the race, um, 
there's three of them. One, we are seeing with every race that is happening, Leclerc is starting to assert himself. He is already this early in the season starting to open a points gap, which has to be very worrying, not just for the other top teams, but also signs. You know, it has to be worrying for the other guy in the garage. I rate signs really highly as a driver. Okay, you're talking about a driver who has experience, who did really well in McLaren. Uh, you're, you're talking about a driver that has always pushed his teammates. We we have to not forget that last year in Ferrari, in his first year in the team, Sainz actually at the end of the year ended up with more points than Leclerc did. This is in his first year in the team. And so I think he was, of all the drivers that made moves last year to go to a new team, I think it's undeniable that Sainz was the most prepared, the the guy that made the most preparation with his time. And, you know, we saw the results of that during the season. And of course, their car wasn't that strong last year. It, It got progressively stronger towards the bottom half of the season, especially when they pushed uh, that that new engine design, and that really propelled them. They were getting, you can see how competitive they were getting, and they actually overtook McLaren to take third in the Constructors' um, Championship last year. So you saw the evolution, but that's, you know, quite an achievement to go against uh, a really, really quick driver like Leclerc. And in your first year in the team to overtake him in points, that was an achievement. So now coming back to this year, like I said, it looks like roles have been reversed and Leclerc is in really strong form and just signs, you know, you one has to think, I, I hope this is not mentally starting to get to him because, you know, that's a big, big aspect of being a driver, um, um, even those of us that are none, you know, <laughs> car race drivers, the longer you, you know, watch the sport and observe it, the thing you realize is all the greats, whether it's Hamilton, whether it's people like Max Verstappen, yes, you need that natural raw talent and that speed, but a big component of the great drivers is their mental ability. And so science has had, you know, um, not a good start, and I hope it's not mentally starting to affect him. Obviously, the next race is going to be in Italy's home ground in Imola, and uh, we're going to see how he's, you know, going to perform and maybe, you know, get back on the horse. We're just going to have to see the proverbial Ferrari prancing horse, right? So you have to, you have to kind of you know, observe and see how that's going to play out. But right now he's in a disadvantage because his, his teammate Leclerc is operating under a different level. So that's going to be a major talking point in, in, like I said, going back to the prancing horses, you know, home race in Emila. The other thing that's, you know, that we're all observing and that I'm very curious to see is with the great, you know, performance and points that Mercedes capitalized on in Australia, are they going to be able to be able to make improvements on the car um, in the next 
couple of weeks? How is the car, is the car going to take a step forward in Italy coming up? Um, they've, they've done the maximum. I'm talking about the drivers. I think the team, you know, is working flat out in trying to find a solution. Like I said earlier in the podcast, they're very honest about the challenges. They're very honest that this is not going to be a quick fix where you bring, you know, uh, one element of the car, meaning let's say a revised wing that you're going to bring in Emily and it solves, you know, all the issues on the car. It doesn't work that way. Um, this is, they are on a very aggressive fundamental design on that Mercedes. So when you have that, the team has said that they're going to be very deliberate about what kind of improvements they're going to bring because they still haven't fully understood that yet. And by the way, with the uh, purposing that is happening with these vehicles and that, you know, kind of bounce, um, keep in mind, Mercedes is not the only team that's going through that. In fact, they're not even the only top team that's going through that. Ferrari, during their runs on Saturday and on their Friday practices, they actually had quite aggressive bouncing um, that was noticed in the straights. And actually, reporters talked to Leclerc and asked him, and he he's a different breed. He basically responded, no, it, it doesn't it doesn't really bother him too much. What he's focused on is the speed that they have in the car. And as long as the speed is there, he said he's not too bothered by it. So I say all that to say Mercedes is not the only team, especially the only top team that's going through this this issue. You know, it's just this new ground effects um, design that these new F1 cars are. And to get on top of that issue when you're generating as much downforce as these cars have, that's just a really tough thing to do. So either with the team, like I said, is working flat out and they are trying to go ahead and do that. So that's another thing to really watch. Like I said, I think they're making steady improvements. I really personally think that within, again, there's no way to predict an exact time, but within the next probably two to three races you're you're gonna see uh, a much improved and faster mercedes and it's going to be interesting to see if red bull who already have speed in their car it's going to be interesting to see if they can solve these you know nagging um mechanical issues that are causing them dnf and i have to say from a body language um, aspect of it you know when when Max Verstappen was talking to journalists after the Australian Grand Prix which of course he was really disappointed um, his words weren't assured that the team can necessarily get on top of the issues they're having again keep in mind Max Verstappen is not just a reliability issue that is happening. They have multiple issues. And one of them, unfortunately, is Max is still not necessarily very happy with the balance of the car. You know, again, this may have to do with the new designs. Of course, the cars are much more heavier than they used to be. But he has not been fully and totally happy with the balance of the car. So let's see if that's going to change. Let's see if they're going to improve that aspect. But right now 
it definitely does seem that Sergio Perez is more happy with how the car operates on Saturdays and Sundays more so than Max Verstappen. So that is the second, you know, kind of major thing to watch. The the third and final observation I have regarding this past race weekend is, I mean, if you want to talk about a weekend to forget, what a horrible weekend for Austin Martin. Aston Martin has, I mentioned the Latifi crash that happened, um, and that was between Stroll, and he was actually um, given, he was deemed to be the responsible party. There's points that have been put on his super license. He was also given a grid penalty, um, a three downgrade grid penalty, three place downgrade. Now, with the cars performing as bad as it is, the last thing you need is a three-grid penalty. To make matters worse, Sebastian Vettel also crashed his car. So, and he doesn't seem to be doing well with, with with that car. They had reliability issues over the weekend on top of the crashes that both their drivers had. So, I mean, you want to talk about just a weekend to forget a miserable weekend um, Austin Martin are going through it right now so they really had a miserable weekend now the rumor mill is that Austin Martin are actually working on a heavily heavily revised car right now <clears throat> of course you know they're not going to announce and we're not going to know when exactly um, down the line they're going to introduce that almost like a b-spec car and we're gonna see if they can find performance with that but right now boy their drivers uh between Vettel and Stroll are definitely not helping this team out um they're making silly mistakes they're crashing like I said which is very costly for the teams especially because we're in a cost cap era right now so every dollar um that's going out that's not helping your car that that affects your team so They've had a lot of personnel changes, obviously, um, especially at the top. So this was a weekend to forget for them. Um, we're, again, we're going to see how the next couple of races play out. But so, yeah, it was an interesting Australian GP. Like I said, with all the things that have happened, I really uh, look forward to see if Ferrari are going to be able to maintain uh, this really good form they're on right now in their home race. I don't doubt that they'll be really strong. It's going to be interesting to see how Mercedes will do as well. So let's see how it goes. But as always, I want to thank you very much for tuning in from wherever part of the globe you are to listen to the TF1 podcast. Again, um, I always appreciate the support and uh, please make sure if you can, if you're on the iPhone platform, uh, on the Apple platform, I should say, to uh, rate the podcast five stars and please um, give us any encouraging words. With that, I wish you a great and safe week and I will talk to you guys during the next Italian GP. Take care, everybody. Thank you.